This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn more about Reynolds' online retailing approach by visiting reyrey.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. Kellen is out today. Today on the show, Lucid looks to raise $8 billion, Toyota boosts its investment in a new battery plant, and Bosch announces plans to make fuel cell stacks. Plus, I'll talk with automotive news reporter Doug Newcomb about Apple CarPlay's shot across the dashboard. There's this huge battleground for this data, or a huge potential, billions of dollars at stake. And I think the big question is, who's going to get access and monetize this data? Apple, in a sense, is saying, it's our data. We want that data. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Lucid has filed for a new offering of up to $8 billion. That says the luxury electric vehicle maker looks to beef up working capital while contending with supply problems that have hobbled production. Just this month, Lucid cut its production forecast by half. The company, with a market capitalization of about $27 billion, filed for a mixed shelf offering. That allows it to sell different types of securities in one or more separate offerings with the size, price, and terms to be determined at the time of sale. Lucid shares fell about 7% after the announcement. The stock has lost more than half of its value so far this year. Toyota is amping up its plans for a battery plant in rural North Carolina. The Japanese automaker is pumping in an additional $2.5 billion into the project. The plant was originally planned to build batteries for hybrid vehicles. The extra cash will allow it to also build batteries for fully electric models as well. The investment is expected to boost employment at the plant from more than 1,700 to 2,100 workers. Toyota expects initial production to begin in 2025, We'll have more on this story tomorrow with automotive news reporter Larry Veliquet. That's not the only auto tech investment news coming out of the Carolinas today. Bosch says it will put more than $200 million into a facility building fuel cell stacks in South Carolina. The world's largest auto supplier says it will expand its existing facility in Anderson to support fuel cell production, which is planned to start in 2026. Bosch expects the investment to create at least 350 jobs. The company says the stacks will go into hydrogen-powered trucks coming to U.S. roads in the next few years. And finally, the time has come for Herbert Dies to bid Auf Wiedersehen to Volkswagen. Tomorrow, Porsche CEO Oliver Bloom officially takes over as VW's chief executive. On his last day as CEO, Dies and VW released a video of his parting words to employees. He appeared to address his successor directly. It is also now the right time to hand over to a younger person, to hand over to you. Because as I understand you, you agree with the strategy, and then it should continue seamlessly with increased dynamism and more teamwork. During Dies's four years running VW, the management board expanded to a dozen members. People familiar with Volkswagen's inner workings told Reuters that the supervisory board has decided to shrink the management board by two. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, there's a $400 billion battle brewing between automakers and tech companies like Apple. We'll take a bite out of that story next on Daily Drive. 
Customer wants to sign documents remotely? No problem. Customer wants to provide documentation and their driver's license in person? No problem. Customer wants to have their vehicle delivered? No problem. There are a lot of steps to complete a car deal, but what happens when customers start online and end in store, or vice versa? You need a seamless, consistent process to start work and finalize every vehicle purchase, no matter where the customer is. Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds & Reynolds, explains how. Retail Anywhere is, is powered by the retail management system. So the retail management system is the engine you know, that kind of makes this all work. And it's based on the premise that customers can be anywhere, right? They can be in-store, they can be at home, they can be a hybrid of both. It doesn't really matter, but it's a single process of interacting with that customer. And that's, you know, really important to be consistent in that way. And it's only achievable through a single system like the retail management system. Regardless of where the customer is buying from and how, Retail Anywhere focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this holistic approach to digital retailing, visit rayray.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. Apple CarPlay has fundamentally changed the way drivers interact with their vehicle's infotainment systems. Now, a new version of CarPlay is designed to go even further, taking over interfaces and controls. At the same time, it can gain access to crucial vehicle and driver data. Automotive News technology reporter Doug Newcomb writes in our latest print edition that the move is likely to launch a turf war between Apple and automakers. I spoke with Doug about his front page story this week. Here's our conversation. Doug Newcomb, welcome to Daily Drive. Great to be here, Jamie. You had a really interesting story this week about Apple CarPlay, uh, which has you know, become ubiquitous in, uh, in many of our cars. What's so special about this new or next generation CarPlay? Well, as most people know, CarPlay has really changed the automotive interface. I mean, it's worked great because you get in the car, you plug in your phone, you've got your UI right there on the dashboard. Same thing happens with uh, Android Automotive. And, you know, that's worked really well. But now what's happening is as we're starting to see more and more cars that have, one, a very sophisticated instrument panel, and you're seeing a lot of cars that have a one-piece instrument panel dashboard display. Essentially, what the new Apple CarPlay is doing is two main things. It's extending those graphics that you normally have in the dashboard into the instrument panel. And I think more importantly, for the first time, has access to vehicle data, where before it was sort of contained in the dash, you know, messaging, music, podcasts. Now it's going to have access to things like RPM, speed. You can actually use the radio controls and the AC controls. So it's extending, and I think Apple used this language, it's extending its reach in a sense further into the vehicle controls and further into vehicle and driver data. So data there, that's that seems to be the real big part of the conflict over, you know, who who has access to it, who gets to to monetize it. I'm trying to unpack for Apple, right? I mean they kind of know in my iPhone, right, how fast I'm going. What does it tell them about what my RPMs are or where I set the air conditioner? Right. Well, I, I think of it like this. I mean, look at Google, a company and Apple to a certain degree, uh, particularly Google. I mean, what do they make their money off of? They make their money off of data. 
when you go do a search, you know, there, just the other day, I was looking at tires and magically I've got an advertisement for tires uh, and other, <laughs> other searches. So, you know, that, that's how they make their money. And someone once told me, I never forget this, that when you're in a vehicle, chances are you're driving to go buy something or you're going to stop on the way. Even if you're not, say, Jamie is going to the beach, you're going to stop at Starbucks. Well, guess what? After a while, and I think it's happening now to a certain degree with, with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Oh, well, Jamie stops at Starbucks every day, you know, or he goes a certain route. Well, think about that when they start to have richer data. And again, I, I'm kind of hypothesizing here in a sense, but you know, oh, well, Jamie is a very conservative driver. Aren't you, Jamie? I mean, you probably never go over the speed limit, hard brake <laughs> or, <laughs> or acceleration. <laughs> so perhaps wow, once in a while, but <laughs> wouldn't that be something that your insurance company would like to know, you know, or, you know, you drive this route from your home to the office every day and you stop at, like I mentioned, you stop at Starbucks every day. Oh, well, maybe there's a competitor coffee shop across the street or maybe Starbucks would like to give you a discount. Uh, again, when you go back to thinking about how this data is monetized, and I think of the car, and I think a lot of people think of this as sort of virgin territory for this, because the car, and there's a lot we could unpack there, probably a different episode, but there's a lot of data coming from vehicles that really hasn't been monetized. And, you know, I wrote, wrote in the piece, there's this huge battleground for this data, or a huge potential billions of dollars at stake. And I think the big question is who's going to get access and monetize this data. And in this new version of Apple CarPlay, it still remains to be seen how this is going to play out. Apple, in a sense, is saying, it's our data. We want that data. I mean, even to this point of you can customize your IP display and that's a little different scenario, but, but all of a sudden your BMW doesn't look like a BMW. It looks like an Apple device. So, gosh, that's got to be a real kick in the gut for automakers. They spend all that money on infotainment, on the feel and look of the instrument panel. And then if no one uses it, they've just wasted all that uh, development money. Exactly. Well, you know, I think about this quite a bit. Go back 2014, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto really started to proliferate in 2015 after it was introduced think about ford sync toyota intune bmw iDrive, uh, you know all these things that have gone away audi mmi i mean they spent who knows how many millions of dollars on these interfaces and that's all gone now ford you know still I mean? has sync right it's the they my do. ford touch that they flopped they with and then replaced yeah. it with sync and now they're on yeah whatever and toyota still has intune but i mean toyota intune's a good example it's a shell of what it was before and guess what toyota intune worked pretty well i think <laughs> of all these systems but some of these things didn't work very well actually subaru starlink i mean i could go really deep on this stuff but some of them work really well but now sync and all these other ones are, are sort of pushed aside in a sense. I mean, when I'm in a Ford vehicle, I don't use Sync. I use Apple CarPlay. This is going to be, a, I think, a bigger sort of clash or whatever, because, you know, automakers, I feel like we're willing to give up that real estate in the dashboard. And by the way, I mentioned this in the article, I remember, and I went back to look at some of the quotes, VW, Mercedes, Audi were saying, it's our data. It's our dashboard. But guess what? They capitulated. Toyota didn't introduce Apple CarPlay and Android Auto until 2018. In that sense, I don't know, but I would assume that they basically had to 
to be competitive. So, you know, we've seen this story before. We've seen this play out in the dashboard. Sure. So look, I mean, automakers are big companies. They have lots of suppliers. They have tense negotiations all the time. Isn't there a way that they could kind of work out maybe a negotiate into a less comprehensive version of CarPlay or some way for Apple and to share the data or that Apple and the automakers can both get the data about how fast I drive and how often I stop at Starbucks? Well, I mean, that remains to be seen. I reached out to some automakers and some other people involved in the industry, and you know, they haven't really started implementing this yet. And this is a story we're going to follow. But you know, given Apple's walled garden approach that they've always had, you want to play in our walled garden, then come on in. But you know, it's our garden. We're going to control it. And you don't really have a say in that. That's been Apple's MO from the very beginning. So how they do things. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I really don't expect it, uh, <laughs> but we'll certainly see. And, you know, it's interesting. I mentioned the article, you know, because the car is such a big battleground for data and for technology. Google has their Android automotive operating system, which is similar to CarPlay. In fact, I was just um, in a GMC Sierra where they have this, this system. But long story short, it's Different. It's similar to Apple CarPlay, but different in that automakers, just what you described, automakers are much have much more leeway to work with Google to say, hey, we want you to do this. The, the data comes to us in this sense, blah, blah, blah. That, that's how it's been explained to me is that it's more of a sandbox uh, as opposed to a walled garden. Anyone can come play in the sandbox or at least uh, yeah. play nicely with others. Yeah, well, it's like, well, we want these apps and this is how we want the data to flow. Maybe Google, hey, you can have the data, but give us the analytics. And again, this is just what I'm getting from people as opposed to the new CarPlay, which is like, no, it's a one-way pipeline. Right. Uh, That's what I'm hearing from the people I spoke with. So when will we see this out in the wild? Is this something that's going to just roll into a a new model year or will it have to be allowed on sort of a car by car or model by model basis? Well, Apple's saying late next year, which gives them a lot of runway. So we're talking, you know, at least 12 months. Uh, Interesting CarPlay and Android Auto, because I remember distinctly it was CarPlay was introduced in 2014 at the Geneva Auto Show. And we saw it in vehicles within a year. I think this is a little bit more of a heavy lift and probably a bigger barrier for all those parties involved. And I think we probably would see it in new vehicles. I mean, that's the way it's played out. In fact, when I know Mazda was another one of the holdouts for a long time, they actually had a retrofit kit. You could go back and and add CarPlay to a vehicle. With this amount of integration into the dashboard, I don't see this as a retrofit. I see it as, you know, something we're going to see in, I don't know, what now, uh, 2025 or 24 vehicles. So it's going to be interesting to see Uh, how this plays out. And, you know, one interesting thing about Apple CarPlay and Android Auto that people forget is that automakers are struggling with over-the-air updates. Well, they say struggle. They really aren't doing them except for Tesla. Well, guess what? When your phone is gets a software update, all of a sudden your dashboard gets that update too. You know, so that's another advantage that Apple and Google have over automakers' systems. All right. Well, like you said, this is going to play out over a number of years, and uh, we know you'll stay on top of it. Doug Newcomb covers tech and innovation for Automotive News. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Jamie. You can find Doug's story on Apple CarPlay on the front page of our latest print edition or at autonews.com. 
That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on new technology, battery plant investments, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a deeper look at Toyota's increased investment in battery production in North Carolina and what it tells us about the future of battery manufacturing in North America. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thank you.